Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant, an educator, caregiver support group leader, and a frequent presenter at caregiver conferences and webinars. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate, certified music therapist, and I also speak at caregiver conferences and webinars. Welcome to Dementia Spotlight, tips, truths, and straight talk about Alzheimer's and the many other forms of dementia. Interesting and informative guests will join us on the second and fourth Wednesday of every month. And on the opposite Wednesdays, we'll provide straight talk about what people need to know before, during, and after caregiving begins, including controversial issues others will tend to avoid. Via Dementia Spotlight, we continue our legacy of support for you as you're doing the toughest job you'll ever, ever do. On today's episode of Tips, Truths, and Straight Talk is a question from a caregiver, and an interesting question at that. The question is, what is the difference between power of attorney and guardianship? Very, very good question, and one that a lot of people really don't understand. And one of the things I would like to mention before we even begin to answer that question is because our podcast is heard throughout the United States and in multiple countries, it's a good idea to check with an expert on these issues where you live, in your state or in your country, because there can be differences. And Mike and I will do everything we can to answer your questions, but we are not legal scholars, we're not attorneys. But we will share information that we have understood as we do everything we can to support caregivers. Great PSA. So, again, what is the difference between power of attorney and guardianship? Well, the simple answer is a power of attorney can be assigned by the individual at any time. Say, for instance, I can name you as a power of attorney, the person who will make decisions for me when and if it becomes that I can't make decisions for myself. I can assign that to you. We can both, I can sign a document, we can have it notarized, you sign the document, and it's done. Easy peasy. There are different types of power of attorney. There's medical power of attorney. You definitely want to have that. Financial power of attorney durable power of attorney. All of these things can be explained better by an actual elder care attorney, but you want to have these documents in place. And that means that that person is allowed to make decisions on your behalf. Now, as a case in point, we had power of attorney from my father. You had medical power of attorney because you were, I had that pesky day job and you were able to be there at the hospital with him for the most part, morning, noon, and night, almost, uh, they were almost ready to give you a badge, so to speak. (laughs) Um, but the other powers of attorney I had, and one of the things was a financial power of attorney. Now, what that means is I can make decisions in his best interest. So as an example of that would be, he had money sitting in a savings account that he and I both had access to after my mom passed away. And I noticed that there was a much higher interest rate of return on investment in money market account with the same institution 
and CDs at the same institution. So what I did was I took money out of the savings and put it into the CDs in the money market account to get a better return on investment. I was acting in his best interest. I wasn't taking the money out and putting it in our checking account for us to use it for whatever we wanted it to be. So again, that's to act in the person's best interest, not to take the money for us. Well, another situation that could arise is, say, for instance, when your dad came to us, he didn't drive anymore, but suppose he did, and then he wasn't able to drive anymore, and he had a car, and a decision was made, since he wasn't driving anymore, to sell the car. The money from the sale of that car had to go into his account. Correct. You could sell it using your power of attorney, but the money had to go into his account to be used for his benefit. It's not something that we could have used for ourselves. That's one of the things that people need to understand about a power of attorney. That's correct. The other thing is the, the person assigning the power of attorney to you had to be competent to make that decision. And this gets tricky sometimes, especially if somebody's come into your home or under your care and they're a ways down in this disease. And we're not sure if they're competent to make that decision or not. It gets really complicated because some of the laws say if they're lucid in the moment that they sign that paper, it's okay. And we know that some people with a dementia have we, what we call moments of clarity. So for instance, the decision was made in that moment that somebody could sign that document. And in the next moment, or the person who's contesting it reaches that person in a moment where they're not having a moment of clarity, there can be a big dispute as to whether or not it was legal. And they could talk to you, and they could talk to the person and convince them that you're not acting on their best interest. And then the, the, the person with the illness can revoke your power of attorney and give it to somebody else. Again, the assignment comes from the individual. And so it could be changed at any given time based on any given circumstance. Another thing somebody needs to know about a power of attorney is it ends on that person's death. Correct. So you cannot make any, you can't make any decisions on their estate once they've passed away. Unless you are designated as the trustee of the state or assigned as the executor. And that's where, you know... It seems like a simple answer, but it's not. And this is why you want to have these conversations well before you need to and make sure that, you know, that's why we, we have living wills. That's why we make all of these decisions ahead of time. And you may be healthy as a horse today, but not so healthy tomorrow. So the sooner you make these decisions and you make these designations, the better off you're going to be. Because while we think families are all loving and, you know, come together and everybody agrees on everything, sometimes that doesn't happen and there's lots of disputes. And sometimes after the fact, disputes. Mm -hmm. So, again, 
the difference between power of attorney. Now let's move on to guardianship. Whew, that's a whole different ball of wax. Yeah. <laughs> that's when you end up going to court. That's when it's very clear that the person that you're concerned about, the person you may be caring for, is not competent to make a decision as to who's going to make these decisions for them. And that's when you go before a judge. The judge makes the determination whether or not that person is competent. And the judge makes the decision whether or not you're going to be the guardian. Because the judge can say, I'm not sure that you're able to do this for any number of reasons. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. Doesn't mean that you're trying to cheat them. But for whatever reason, the judge decides you're not the best person to do that. He can assign, he or she can assign a guardian of his or her choice. Someone that they know that does this on a regular basis and is going to do a good job for your family member and you're out of the picture. The other thing they can do is they can split it. And they can split it if there's large amounts of money involved and make one person what's called a conservator who's in charge of all the money and you, the guardian, who's in charge of all the medical decisions and care decisions, and that, they, they can actually split it. And another thing that gets complicated with guardianship is the money that comes from your person's account has to be accounted to the courts on a yearly basis. Every nickel, dime, and penny that's spent out of their money has to be accounted for, and you have to prove that it was used to their benefit and not yours. And that can be a very complicated situation. It's almost like going through an IRS audit. Absolutely. One of the people that are in my caregiver support group had a guardianship for his wife, and, you know, he was explaining to us that if, you know, keep every single receipt, keep very careful records, because if it's off even by a penny, there's a fine assessed. And they'll come back a few months later and say, have you found that penny? If you haven't, it, it, it happens again. So if you can keep the courts out of it, please do. But if you can't, then you have to make sure that you keep meticulous records. And there's situations that arise that it may be in your best interest to get the courts involved. Absolutely. Uh, in other words, a dispute between two or three fam or four or five family members on the best way to handle things. And they don't think you're doing a good job and they want control. Then it might be in the best interest of the individual to go to the courts and have the courts decide who the best is to handle as opposed to keep infighting between family members. Yeah, the best thing is have these discussions before you need them and get that all in writing who you want to make these decisions for you. The other thing is to keep the courts out if you can. Yes. And the other thing is what you did with your dad you were co-signer on his checking account, so you could pay bills for him. 
if there's a way for you to do all of that under the power of attorney, that's the simplest way to do it. Right. As long as nobody is challenging what you're doing. So I guess we answered the question, but <laughs> I think the smartest thing that we did was advise them to go and speak to a legal expert. We've gave them, given them an overview, some general information, but just to you know, make sure you cross all those T's and, and dot all those I's, talk to a professional. And that's the key. And again, we're here in the United States, in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Some of these things may not apply to, say, the United States, state of California or state of Pennsylvania and places. So yes, consult an attorney, an elder law attorney in your area. That's the best way to go. If you would like us to answer your question on air, email us info at bobbycarducci.com. This has been Dementia Spotlight. We are dedicated to supporting caregivers and those who need care. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. Bobby and I would love to hear from you, answer any questions you might have, or just find out how you're doing. Follow us on Twitter, at BobbyCarducci2 and at MichaelCarducci4. To schedule us for your event, go to BobbyCarducci.com or email info at BobbyCarducci.com. Dementia Spotlight is produced by Carducci Caregiving Consulting, LLC.